There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome into the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network. I'm your host, Timothy Michael McKernan from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Our guest this week, presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, is St. Louis radio legend Katie Cruz. Katie Cruz um, has been in the business for years and has uh, not only incredible stories because she has been part of K-She, she has been part of the Dave Glover show, uh, and she was produced by Iggy at 1380, the woman, perhaps most importantly. I'm sure she would list at the top of her resume, but um, she has great perspective. Like I really, in the, in the course of this conversation, which I kind of thought was just going to be more amusing stories from, uh, from Radio Land, especially from the female perspective. I've loved having Lux and learning on the show. Um, her perspective on the business I thought was, was quite astute and not only entertaining, but really informative. Um, and so a great guy, one of those guests where I'd be like, I would love to have Katie Cruz back in. And I think you'll enjoy the conversation as well. It's presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. And I got this email, I haven't even shared this with you, Gangster Pete, um, from um, our guest last week. For those of you binge listening, it would be the one you just got done listening to, um, Anthony Bartlett. And uh, a great endorsement here. He writes, dude, I was expecting a response and all after being on the program, but goodness gracious, it has been a wild ride all week. The emails, the calls, the messages have been flying. I've done a lot of interviews in all forms of media, but nothing quite like yours. What an amazing platform you've built and what a tone for a show. Your listeners really seem to trust and hear you as well. Clearly smart enough to know just how smart you are. Uh, your personal comments too, before and after the podcast online on social media were just awesome and dead on. And you so eloquently touched upon it's always darkest before the dawn, but we're on the precipice of an incredible renaissance unseen here in decades. I loved reading that sentence. Uh, That's awesome. I loved reading that sentence. Don't get me wrong. I wanted to make sure I read the compliments to me and I want to focus on those, but I loved reading that sentence. Agreed too, that like the Nashville natives just 10 years ago, STL locals might be in for a big surprise in the coming years. We just have to get out of our own way. Having said that, I know for a fact that your posts and segment really got people thinking, natives in particular, and that the needle was undoubtedly moved. In any case, it was an honor and a privilege to be on the show and included among such an illustrious lineup of guests, humbled and grateful to say the least. Lastly, I thought you should know that I'm also a consumer in the market, always looking for a great podcast and can't wait to enjoy so many more episodes not to slam you with Cubs, Packers, and Patriots fans, but clients ask us for local radio show podcast recommendations all the time, and I can't think of a better foot forward for St. Louis than your show. Please extend my sincerest thanks to your producers, and sorry we didn't get the chance to shake hands. If there is anything I can ever do to be any of help of you, your production team, or the station in any way, please just ask. That's from Anthony Bartlett, managing member of St. Louis Transplants, our guest last week. I love hearing... Uh, well, of course I love hearing compliments because I'm insecure. That's why I'm in media, but I love hearing what he had to say about the response to it. I, and I, and in my response to Anthony's email, I said, I didn't see one negative, even from people where you would kind of get the usual anti St. Louis waiting to jump on the hashtag our town type of stuff, his message and the way he said it, he's just a really good spokesperson because he conveys his thoughts so eloquently, um, and like I said, that we just happened to have Larry Nickel, uh, God love Larry Nickel, who was supposed to be using the podcast studio to interview a couple of WWE tag team guys um, waiting. So it, it kept us on a clock of sorts. And so I think we only went like 33, 34, 35 minutes. But had I not had that clock, we might still be here talking. So I'd love to have Anthony back in. But it always, um, I don't know, gives me hope it wouldn't be fair because I already have the, have the hope, but it. It, it makes me get fired up about St. Louis 
when I get emails like that, not just from somebody like Anthony who started St. Louis transplants, but uh, in general from listeners who get so into these St. Louis centric topics, because I think people know there's something happening here. And, um, and I, and I've been doing media in, in this market now for 20 decades, my hometown, and I haven't seen that before. So, um, to have that going on excites me. And, um, and hopefully it does for many of you, if you haven't listened to that Anthony Bartlett interview uh, or read his, uh, guest column, I guess, for lack of a better term in St. Louis magazine from October 22nd, seriously, it's a major recommendation. I mean, all this is a, Damn near every one of these interviews is, is good because the producers have gotten ridiculously good guests. So all I do is get out of the way. Um, but I understand. It's like what I do with podcast guests. Gangster Pete and I are both Joe Rogan guys. I'll scroll through and I'm like, I don't know who that is. Uh, maybe they're good. I don't know. But then I saw you had already Lang on this week and I'm like, well, I got to listen to that. So I understand you're scrolling through and you see these names you recognize. If you want to start binge listening to this podcast, uh, first off, you should subscribe to it, please. It's free to do so and leave a positive review. That helps the thing. But there's so many great guests over the two years we've been doing it, and I recognize, and Anthony would recognize, that his name isn't one that's going to be up there with, you know, Hall of Fame athletes or legendary media personalities or U.S. senators, whatever the case might be, um, coaches, managers, broadcasters, whatever. But as far as, and, and the good, I guess the good thing is, maybe it was a good thing that Larry Nickel was supposed to be in the podcast studio, that it didn't go on for like two hours. It's a good, quick hit, 30 minutes where, you know, if you're not like, ah, the St. Louis stuff, kind of, I'm not into it, I think you'll come away from it going, man, first off, Anthony knows his stuff. And then secondly, it's really interesting to hear, unfortunately, how negative the, the initial perception of people not from St. Louis is of St. Louis, but then on the flip side, how positive it is once they actually get here, assuming they can break through what can be a tough social circle. So, um, Anthony Bartlett, and that was a very kind email and, uh, and I'm glad that he got the response he did because, um, it, it, it was a hell of an interview and I'm glad that means people listened. That's, that's what I, that's what I care about. So Anthony Bartlett, our guest last week, our guest this week, Katie Cruz, Katie Cruz, our guest here presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Katie, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you, Tim. How are you? I am good. It's great to see you. We haven't seen each other since the 1380, the woman, 590, the man days. You being on the woman, me being on the man for a brief amount of time. And you still held that handsome, youthful look, too. <laughs> like you, I know it hasn't been that this. long. I like this. I like the way this interview started. You haven't, like, <laughs> aged one single moment. <laughs> You're very kind. I walked in, I was like, it's great to meet you. And I'm like, nope, I've met you a lot. You you just are like aging backwards. I'm I'm Benjamin Button. Something like that. Go with it. Roll with it. I'll take it. I, uh, I, I, you have so many, I know you have so, I can't imagine the stories you have from what you have seen, but then it's like, how many of the stories would you like to share from the stories that you have been able to see and experience? <laughs> but I'm gonna I'm gonna still ask anyway because being in in radio for as long as you've been able to radio, yeah. as successful as you've been radio, and working with who you've worked with in radio, we know the business is crazy as it is. But then when you're in in the elements that you're in, it's the best part of it. You and know, not only the elements, Tim, but I think being a female in yes. in the rock dominated, male dominated world. Gives it that little extra interesting spin. So I've had no luck and, and learn in who Those I would are imagine. My girls yes, you. I would imagine them. you're a mentor for for them. I, I think. I it's guess fair they to would say. say so. Yes, I yeah. think. I think. I, I tried actually, to be. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And I just kind of in passing go. You ever get any weird like emails or letters? And they're like, "Of course we do." Like, like they were like, "You have no idea." And it's yeah. like, ah, I mean, we get like hate mail. Yeah. But we don't get like, "Hey, would you like to send me like you know." Your boxers. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I was, it was funny. When I first got into this business, I started in real, real hometown small radio, right? Because that, if you're going to cut your chops and make all your mistakes, you, you got to start do in it the minor league. There, yeah, absolutely. So you you start? Know, um, out at a station called KFAV. It's 99.9 out in Warrington. It's still in existence. And actually, their frequency has quadrupled since I was there. It was just a little startup, and we were a triple A format. We were playing bands that no one had ever heard of, like this crazy band called the Bare Naked Ladies. 
and no one had ever heard of them. We broke them really? in the what, area. So what, what Toad the Wet been? Sprocket. Oh, yeah. Uh, all the, you know, those kind of great bands. Yeah. That was 90, 1990. Damn. Yeah. It was an amazing experience. But anyway, that aside, I walked in the door and I was still using, you know, my my birth name. And a jock pulled me aside and said, you know, look, it, it, I don't want to tell you how to live your life, but I will tell you this. I've been in the industry long enough to know that as a chick in this business, you might want to think about not using an absolute legal name, like a traceable name. Well, Cruz was already a family name. It wasn't directly associated to me, mm-hmm. but I was like, huh, well, you know what? And it ended up being some of the absolute best advice I ever took because even with, you know, fake names or phony names or not real traceable names, anybody will find you or follow you or whatever. Yeah, it's crazy. So what is the deal? Why do you think that, let's let's psychoanalyze the creep. Why do you think, why do you think there are, and it's probably what, 0.1% of the audience, or maybe it's more, I don't know. Yeah, it's a very small segment. But then then they, then they, they gravitate toward women on the radio, especially like in the rock genre, I think, perhaps more so than like if you were doing NPR, you know? So I don't know the reason for the creep factor. You've experienced being on the receiving end of the creep factor. Why do you think that this goes on? I think if we boil it down to its most simple psychology, as you had referred to, is look at what we do. We are very, very captive with the people that we are talking to, especially if they're in that tin vehicle or, you know, that metal vehicle going down the highway, stuck in traffic or whatever it is, especially in the case of like what you do here, it's talk and it's very personal talk because you're talking about people's sports teams and the entertainment in their life and things like that. And I think that radio being such an intimate format, the psychology is you become very close to those. And, you know, they've done all these psychological blah, blah studies about radio and jocks and radio and things like that. And just as, as, as recent as last year. One of the big market research studies came out that people still really long for their personalities in their radio stations, their local radio Mm -hmm. stations. Not so much in a national syndicated market, although we build relationships, quote unquote, with those people that we hear as well. But when it comes down to the local, uh, the local aspect of things, it's our home. It's our comfort zone. It's people that we've learned to trust. It's people that we love or hate or everything in between. And I think when you've got you know, we've, we've got some fragile people out there. And when you teeter just a bit to the left, you know, and maybe too much to whichever side it is, and there's all there's something wrong there too, mm-hmm. then there is that perception that this person loves me or I can have this person or I need to be with this person or meet this person. And I've actually had, I'm too much of a sap sucker too to deal with that stuff. I've had all sorts of circumstances from the very simple of a stalking situation to having to sit in courtrooms and defend women at, at the broadcast entities I was with. And that's a very sad situation. And I had one where it was a a gentleman who was sending gifts and they started out very small and I was, you know, I don't want to take this, you know, Uh, but then you don't want to be the a-hole and and be like, take this back. I Uh, shun this, uh you know, because they're doing it out of their heart, whether it be, Sanity or, or an insanity, whatever's driving it, they're doing it from a place they think is good, right? So you have to be real careful with that. I've always tried to walk the line and be very kind in those circumstances. But when the gifts started getting more and more and more expensive and more expensive, and finally I was told that we had to bring the, the police in to intervene, only to find out that this guy, God, he was married. He'd been married for like 25 years. But it ended up being where um, one day he was outside my home, you know, oh, things like that. No yeah, way. like I walked out. So did out. you walk out and he's just like yeah, standing there? Yeah, he was in his car, just standing, huh. yeah, in his car right so there. So what happened? Then. Well, I walked out and I was like, "Whoa!" Did you know him by face? Yes. At this okay. point, I knew him by face. Yes. Uh, I'm like, hey, buddy, you know, we we really, we can't be crossing lines like this. This is just, just not oh, good. Oh, that's like crazy. But he had, been, he had been in the parking lot 
of the radio station before. And which and station was this when this, this was, was going? This was when I was Casey. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So he'd been in the Casey parking lot before, and I'd seen him. He'd been at the station before, and none of that really spins my wheels. You know, it just does, and I'm not real reactionary like that. But yeah, I guess so. One day he must have just followed me home, and the real, you know, the real creeper factor is. Okay, so he's standing there now. Like, how long has he been there before? You know, like, this probably wasn't just the first time. And I'm like... TMI, but like, I tended to be the person that walk around my house naked a lot. So this guy probably got. Now you're going to attract He more probably got what he was looking for at some point if he if he looked in long enough, you know. But oh it's like, oh so man. So on a pat, did you have to? Like, you got a restraining order or what? Yeah, yeah, we had to do the restraining order. And you know, it's stuff. It's still it, it pops up in my mind every once in a while. Like I wonder whatever happened. You know, and then we. Did, had, so you never saw him again. That no, was it. That was, that oh, that's was good. it. That's that good. was it. Yeah. You know, and you just get. I got to know the police way more than I wanted to because, like you said, it's such a small, small section of the audience, mm-hmm. um, and it's a compliment that they love you so much that it goes to these measures. But it does get pretty scary sometimes, and it. It doesn't, I don't know that it happens nearly as much now as it did, but you know, you always have the letters from prison. You know, those come, those, those always came now in. You say that so casually. I didn't even know these existed. You always have the letters from, so do you have a lot of, like, this happens a lot, I gather. It if you did always back have... in the day. I don't know. I don't have really a barometer. I think that it's backed off a whole, whole lot. Right. But back in the day, that was it. Oh, yeah, the prisoners would just write, you know, and I'm a dork. I'd always feel so compelled to write them back. And then that's when the police sit you down and go, Katie, you can't write them back because all you're doing is enabling or encouraging this behavior. You know, I'm like, duh, God, this is awful. I didn't sign up for this part of the job. Like I said, just being a sap sucker. But then your your skin gets thicker and you're just like, yeah, you know, there's you can't. You can't feed irrational behavior right. because that's that's how it just breeds and gets worse, right? So you're you're in, you're in Warrington. Then is that where you make go from to get to St. Louis? So check this out. So the flood of '93 hits, right? Okay. And so this station had gained a pretty nice stronghold in the county areas. Mm-hmm. You know the sure. St. the the St. Charles Lincoln Warren County areas. They had a pretty sizable you know thumbprint there, and then Casey wanted to do some flood relief stuff as well. So I got a phone call from someone who was working at the station, said, hey, can we allied forces on this? We want to raise a bunch of funds and we want to do it in your backyard, i.e. St. Charles. So can we just pull these things together? So I ended up meeting the staff at Casey and they were like, we have an idea. You should come work for us. And I was like, wow. That's an outstanding idea. I should totally come work for you. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. So over you the thrilled. course of the next few months, we constructed and devised getting me in the doors. And when I walked through the doors at Casey when they hired me, there really wasn't a place for me. All the slots were filled and everything was done. They didn't know what they were gonna do with me. They just knew they wanted me there. So for the first like year and a half that I was at Casey, I was nothing but the fill-in girl, right? So I I carved out a, a full-time job working everybody's air shifts. So I would do traffic in the mornings. Mm-hmm. I would do the midday shift. I started out my first six months. I was only overnights. So it was a, it was a transitionary thing. And when you're playing in the big leagues like that, mm-hmm. that's okay. I came from small potatoes to this. So having that transition was good. But what I didn't realize was how amazing it was for me as a DJ, a new DJ to the St. Louis area, because for a, it was actually closer to two years that they kind of wedged me in sideways. But I was talking to every single listener on that radio station because for two years I was on every yeah. single day part that they had. And it ended up being really freaking awesome it, on the back end because everybody knew this Katie Cruz. They had heard my name, and so it was pretty cool. Yeah, and to be at that station, too. I yeah. mean, to go from where you yeah. were to Casey. It I was mean, brass ring for sure. Yeah. yeah. So what was Casey like in 90, we're talking 93, 94? Okay. Yeah, it was amazing because it was still old school. I mean, it was still like, you know, it sounds so incredibly dopey to say, but back in the early days of radio, when you finished a four-hour shift, you were exhausted. It was like being a drummer. You literally had everything working at the same time because you were still physically doing albums. Back then, you loaded commercials. In, they was, what, it was the a carts? cart system. Yeah. It was the cart system, yeah. right? So you'd pull your whole bunch of commercials, maybe a couple hours at a time, and you'd line them up, and you have to put them in six cart machines, and you physically fired all those elements. And you're doing elements, all of this. All of it. So you're queuing up your records. 
records. You're physically doing all those. And then we also were, uh, we had uh, three CD players because you were physically queuing up all your songs. So you'd get, you'd, you'd hand punch all your commercials. After that, you were hand punching every single song. You were, you know, getting your vinyl, you're, you're in queued and ready to fire up and boom, you're hitting that and boom, boom, boom. And it was crazy. I mean, like after four hours, you were like, God, how could anybody do this longer than four hours? I'm drained. It's not that way now, right? right? Technology has stepped in and made things almost too incredibly simplistic. It's taken away the art of what this was, no doubt, because and it's it's crazy to say, but that when you would get that perfect segue or when you just, you'd, you'd have that song and you could control how they came in and how they came right. out and all that kind of stuff. And man, when you just bled that thing into some perfect form, you'd be like, yes, <laughs> I nailed it, you know? And now it's just like whatever the computer decides right, to cue it, stopping. Yeah, you know. And so. you have your, what, 30 or 60 seconds to talk in between? Yeah, that, pretty much. Yeah. That's it. Now, it was very much more freeform at Casey back then as well. As with any corporate radio structure, they've really dialed back the talk quite a bit. Interestingly enough, the station that I work for right now has thrown all those rules out. Nobody tells you what to play and when to play it. No one tells you what to say and when to say it. It is completely old school freeform. So in that, it's pretty cool. Now, we're still computer based. Make Mm -hmm. no mistake about it. So the magic segues and really trying to, you know, hitting, making things and I, I can jive these together, that's gone. Mm-hmm. But now I'm in a world where I can go, wow, you know what? This artist up against this artist coming out of this one, that's a nails three for I'm doing it. So that's kind of cool yeah. to be back in that element of things. As opposed to it just being, here's what it's going to be. Yeah, and you yeah. Just sort of, yeah. Yeah, I construct song by song. Every minute of my show, I construct. So when you were getting to know the KC listeners and they're getting to know you and it's KC in the early and mid-1990s, what, yeah. was, what was that scene like? Especially the music that was popular at that time. It was banging yeah. for a lot of reasons. Number one, the local music scene here was hot. It had been hot all through the 80s and through the 90s. And the, the local musicianship we have here is just... It's just unsung how great it is. As a matter of fact, the live local music that we still have today, by and large, is still coming from these guys that were pumping it out in Mm. the clubs, you know, grinding out in the clubs on the landing or all, you know, the hot spots. Uh, But it was also magic time for concerts, too. I remember literally they would walk around with concert tickets and, and hand you like a dozen and go, Take care of your mechanic. Take care of your cousin's uncle's dog's <laughs> best friend. You know, I mean, they were literally that plentiful. It was a golden era to be in. The, and, and to the victor come the spoils, too. Dude, you got so much stuff. Just it, the gifts and the perks were so plentiful. It was magic. Yeah. It was the. It was literally radio back in the 80s and 90s was the best gig on the planet unless you were perhaps a movie star. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was the best gig in the planet because of all the things you got. Well, then, of course, payola comes in and there's the big payola scandal and, and so many things get scaled back and stripped away. And, and so now, for people who don't know what payola is, I know, I mean, I remember in journalism record, school being yeah. taught about payola. It was like part of our part of our course. Yes. Payola, for those who don't know, and what your experience and what happened in the industry, if you could ex- explain that it to the audience. It could be anything from Coke uh, <laughs> I like a, that. <laughs> Coke in a record album. Because, you know, back, I mean, come on, 80s and right, 90s. Absolutely. A lot of people are doing blow, right? right? Maybe even today, too. I'm, 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 my finger's not on that pulse anymore. But there were a lot of, and literally that was what, that was that was the gifting procedure was one of the big things. So that's that, what they would do. Oh, sure. They'd stuff Coke in an album. And then and then and, and say, hey, this is just a little little gift of love from us to you. Please play track four as often as you can. Like we're like, you know, maybe 20 to 50 spins a week. What do you think? Huh? 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 Oh. But then it was vacations, trips away. Um, it wasn't really so much monetary because that would be more traceable, mm. but it was just lavish gifts and things like that. And it was from the program directors down to the DJs. And it would just be like, hey, man, we think this song's a hit. You can help make it a hit. Why don't you do this for us? And then, you know what? I know you want to go to Cancun, dude. Let's let's hook it up. So that's how a lot of it worked. Well, completely illegal, illegal. To of course. Do. <laughs> oh yeah, I go so, saying. So people rode that gravy train oh, for my quite God. some time. This is great. Time. I didn't know this shit happened. Oh yeah. Well, I, mean, I saw the Casey documentary, and the oh, big thing yeah, then was like wonderful. how they would. Yeah, it was so good, and how the musicians would just show up out in Crestwood where the, the and that's what you know. Billy Joel hitchhiked. Yes. To, to Casey from yeah, I mean he couldn't afford the plane ticket, so he got as far as he could. 
could and then hitchhiked his way to the KC studios. Or it was just, yeah, it was just an open door. It was literally free form. You didn't know who was going to show up when and all were welcome. So when you're doing it, was that still going on or did that start to kind of fade yeah, away? Yeah, no, still? to a big degree. Yeah, I mean, we had people trotting in and out out of that place. I mean, I got to meet and hang with so many people and subsequent to that, form great relationships yeah. with some of the rock stars you know, still today. Me. I want to hear some of the names. Who, 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 who showed up and who'd you form Well, every Well, I, I'll, uh, any Kiss, Sammy Hagar, Bon Jovi, Richie Sambora, who I had a massive crush on at the time. Did he reciprocate and, his crush? He seemed like he well, was always friendly. Well, this is when friendly. he was, this, he's a super guy, but this is when he was married to Heather Locklear, right? So I'm in the office. I knew Richie's coming in. I'm sweating. I'm like, oh God, I'd love to just say <laughs> hi, you know? And um, so he comes in, he looks in the office and he just sits down and kicks his feet up and he's like, hey, can I hang here? I'm like... You sure can, Richie, Richie Sambora. And then, you know, then I dropped the dork mode and got my shit together. Yeah. And, and we all just, we, had, we hung, you know, yeah. but that's what we did. We just hung. Now, where were the offices then? At uh, Powerhouse okay. Union Station. All right, all right. Yeah. Where they yeah. just the, moved here with the last Well, the annex. Weeks. Yeah, the annex. Yeah, right, right, yeah right, right. exactly right. So, guess, yeah, because Casey was acquired, actually. Shelly Grafman, the owner of the, the person who started Casey. Mm-hmm. 50 plus years ago yeah. in from his basement he sold it to ms communications back in 84 with that purchase they moved into union station when it was the whole revitalization yep, so yep, yep, yep. so and it, it had remained down there until it was just you know bought by harvard not uh, too long ago yeah, so it was yeah. the last couple of years so yeah. these, these guys are just hanging out there and i mean chill what's that man scene like? yeah chill just great you know the great thing about dealing with the classic rockers is they'd been there and done that you know like rizzuto and those dudes at the point i love all those guys and gals over there uh you know they deal with a bit more attitude that's and, what they say yeah, because, like the ones who've been successful yeah. are actually cooler than the newer ones oh dude yeah you know young dumb yeah. and fully you know that whole, <laughs> you know that's that's i mean it's quintessential especially when you've got these guys because look to the victor come the spoils again still to the people who are making it in this industry man you're just surrounded by yes people it's the dangers yeah. of fame and fortune right uh there's a lot of great and there's a lot of downside the downside is they just feed those egos it, it happens in sports you see look at these yeah. football players come on yeah. Come on. Uh, it's just when you start feeding the egos, it gets out of control. And it's a long learning curve to get that in check. And I think that the classic rockers also are in such a different place because when they started out, it was the hippy-dippy, trippy days too, man. Right? A lot of these, these guys and gals started out in the 70s. And you had egos. It was a thing, but they weren't being fed. It was more like the party and the hang yeah. and the, and then the, you know, who's got the best acid or Coke or who's got the best weed or who's partying after the show. And it goes back to the days when you did a backstage thing back in the eighties and nineties, it was the bash. It was fully catered food and drink galore the drugs obviously were not a part of this because that was the, that was the dark underbelly that no one really talked about and that was in their circle right that was their private mm. stuff but you'd go back and a backstage thing would be two three hours man and everybody's just eating and drinking and being merry and it yeah. was awesome whereas now it's the whole pay to play situation it's just ridiculous people are paying like a thousand dollars to meet gene simmons and paul stanley I get it if you're a huge Kiss fan and you've got the scratch to do it. It's still a cool experience, but what is it? It's a handshake, maybe a hug, a 30-second photograph, an autograph, and off you go. You You know, so the whole, the world has all changed so much with that. But again, we're hailing back. Those, that's how they lived. And like that chill vibe was just how they, they did. Or this, your 80s rockers, they were just trying to make their way on the Sunset Strip out mm-hmm. in L.A., yep, right? Yep. Just scratching for everything they could. And the pretty girls bought the, bought the glam rockers pizza. You know, it, Brett Michaels lived apartment to apartment. Whatever chick was going to support he and the band. from the, <laughs> You know, I mean, that's just how, that's what they did. You know, the chicks thought they were cute. They had money or they had dad's money or however they came about it. Good God, they had an apartment, which these guys did. They were literally in vans or on the streets. And so when you come from that mentality, it's hard to have a real ego that sticks around for a long time. And they're still very grateful for what they've had. What were the grunge rockers like from from the early 1990s? Did you ever deal a lot with them? I mean, because that Very, seems like a totally anti of, of obvious. I mean, I, I you see know, it was different the than the only age. one that I really spent any time with, Cy, Chris Cornell. Oh. You know, yeah, he was just a, just a quiet, a gentle giant, just a real quiet dude. Um, they were all, they came from that 
that Kurt Cobain mentality in Seattle where, you know, they just, it was all about the artistry for them, right? So that was a whole different turn of how they looked at things. So they were cool, cool dudes. I've never met Dave Grohl, but man, would that be a pinnacle because he's just so self-deprecating and he just seems like such a cool dude. But they come from that. It's the artistry of it. And we just want to do this because it's in our skin and that's all we know, you know, so... Egos always come into play, but with the Seattle Grunge Rockers, eh, it's they're they're it was, good yeah, dudes it was a too. Different, different deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, like, again, a whole different angle of of what motivated them and what drives them. But there wasn't a lot of ego involved in that. Eddie Vedder's a really cool dude. Yeah, yeah. So how long were you at KC? 16 years. 16 years. That's a hell of a run. It's a great run, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, the only reason I'm not there now is because the big recession hits, and Emmis found themselves having to cut $2 million from a budget in 2009. Well, by that time, I'd already climbed up the corporate ladder. I was second in command under, I was the co-program director is what they call, so by title, you know. We were all equal in stature. Mm -hmm. But by title, if you're going to redline people and you got to get rid of the salaries, that's what you do. And I was a redline cut. There were uh, 21 of us corporate wide upper management that all got sliced in the same day. And it was very, very sad and very awful. And that's why when I walk over into Keishi to this day, I'm there for hours because I just love them so yeah. much. And we spend all this time catching up, you know, and it's, it's just the nature of the business and what happens. Yeah. So, yeah, but you were on Glover as well, correct? 10 years, 10 years. We start. we, I didn't start, start that show, but I basically did start that show with Glover and Turbrock. We were in a freaking blue, a broom closet. It, man, we started literally <laughs> in a closet, and this is the funniest story too. So the guys in Night Ranger come in, and they're doing a, a, an acoustic thing, and they brought a couple of really gorgeous guitars that Jack Blades, one of the lead singers of Night Ranger, owns. Glover will never forget this story. So we were in the, uh, cramped in this tiny little thing, and Jack has those guitars leaned up against the tiny little wall that we had. Turbot comes flying and smashes the door, smashes into one of those guitars, and it was like probably a $10,000 guitar. Vintage. Glover almost hits the floor, and Jack Blades looks at him and goes, oh, dude, don't worry. That's old. <laughs> oh, no way. It's one of the really old ones, you know, but we're Dave's like what? Oh yeah, I mean Glover's. But, yeah. I mean he would he would be oh, he would he get an appreciation. Yeah. So he's like, oh my god. He was trying to figure out a way to sneak it down the alley, you know, when no one was looking. But you know, that's another example of how chill these guys really yeah. are, you know. So yeah. Hey, I hope you're enjoying the conversation with Katie Cruz here on the Tim McKernan Show. We're in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. You know, with uh, 15 years of the Ryan Kelly Morning After now uh, in the books, we've had um, we've had some very unique segments. Uh, some just because they're really uh, bat crap and uh, some because they make people piss themselves, including myself. And then uh, oftentimes I'm just in a giggle fit. But we had Ryan on um, this past week talking about his climb for the kids. And it's you can donate at theclimbforthekids.com. And I recognize that uh, a lot of people and hey, the ends justifies the means. We'll use charity and photo opportunities more as a marketing department and a promotion. And that's fine. Cause in the end, if the money goes to the charities and it raises awareness and, and money, then like I said, the ends justifies the means. But the thing that separates Ryan from many, um, and I would certainly be more in the many category with how I handle charity is he doesn't just talk the talk. He walks the walk. And so he is climbing a 20,000, foot active volcano in Ecuador. That's what the climb for the kids is this year. And he was on the show in a segment that got such a response that um, if, if you can listen to it, if you didn't get a chance to listen to it, I would imagine you may come away from, from it emotional. I was, I think there's only been a couple times in the show's history where I got tears in my eyes and that was one of them. And it was just Ryan talking about the reason why he got into uh, this climb for the kids, but the charities that he's involved in, and specifically uh, a, a kid who he developed a friendship with in 2015 when he was diagnosed with bone cancer, Alec Ingram. And at about 8 o'clock in the morning, Ryan was on our show talking about Alec, how he grew close to him, how Alec is one of the reasons why he is going to go on this nine-day climb of an active volcano in Ecuador, and then at 2.20, so six hours and 20 minutes later, Alec Ingram passed away. And 
people didn't know Alec was going to pass away in six hours. They just heard Ryan's story. But that just, the fact that he did pass away makes it all the more impactful. And it wasn't just Ryan talking about, here's this kid who had cancer and he grew close to him. It was him being vivid in his description of what Alec and his family had gone through. Because oftentimes what you see on social media are just pictures of kids who've lost their hair and they're smiling as whatever foundation attempts to raise money because the reality of it would probably be too tough for people to actually see. And that's what Ryan spent some time on. And it's not just the kid experiencing the tragedy. It's the families and not just the parents. It's the brothers and sisters. Um, because as you can imagine, um, the life of anybody touched by it is never the same. And so that's what it's all about. And that's why Ryan does it. And I can tell you this, and uh, it's meant as, as a compliment, but not a, as a criticism to anybody else. It's just, I'm thinking of Ryan when I say this. He means it. And when Ryan and I, whether we're having text conversations, we're on the phone, or it's just the two of us in a, in a private conversation, this isn't an act. He means this. This, this stuff is, to him, um, one of the reasons why he works as hard as he does. And, and candidly, I'm in awe of him because I don't know how he has the energy to to run a business, to keep growing a business, to be a father, to be a husband, and then also to raise the money he raises for charity and care so much about it. And I say all of this because, yeah, he is a sponsor of the show, um, but I can speak to somebody who I know has quality character, and, um, and I know that that matters to some people when they make a choice for who they do business with. So when it comes to Ryan Kelly and the Home Loan Expert team, it's easy for me to say do business with them. Because not only does the gentleman who founded the company, uh, Ryan Kelly, uh, practice what he preaches, but uh, also because he works so hard, your experience with them buying a home or refinancing will be second to none. It's the Home Loan Expert, our studio sponsors. He's online at thehomeloanexpert.com and the Climb for Kids at theclimbforkids.com. Ryan Kelly, the Home Loan Expert. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies is our guest presenting sponsor. And I've talked about the importance of having a guy. And a guy could mean a gentleman, could mean a lady. The point being a person. People say, no, I got a guy. So I'm talking about a gentleman, a lady. It doesn't matter. But somebody to be your financial advisor. Somebody you can count on when you have a question that you know is going to point you in the right direction based on actually having your information. I mean, you can bounce something off a friend of yours, but then if they don't know your situation or what your goals are, it's it's kind of a, a pointless question and answer session. It's being answered in a vacuum. Mark Hanna at Evergreen Wealth Strategies, online at evergreenstl.com, works with everyday people every day. And one of my biggest mistakes in my life, professional, personal, really they're kind of intertwined, is not having somebody to lean on with financial advice. And now, now, that, I'm, now that I'm doing it, uh, I look back on it and I think of all the money I left on the table. Uh, that's that's what I think of. And it'll, it'll, that, that regret will never go away. I guess if I somehow have tens of millions of dollars at some point, then I guess I would kind of not really care that I pissed it away in my 20s and 30s. But um, at this moment, it's just something that I'm just like, man, that was so easy. And I just didn't know any better. But I didn't know any better because I didn't have uh, a quote unquote guy. Uh, but like I said, it's a lady or a gentleman. Uh, his name is Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, online at evergreenstl.com. So you started this, so you said, I mean, essentially played a role in starting that show, which yeah. is here we are in 2019. It's, it's still going. Dave has been a guest on the podcast. He has the free flowing style of show. Right. What was that, uh, that experience like it's where that, you're most, getting that thing off the ground? was one of the most magic moments in this business for me and moments. I mean that, that decade sure. span, because everyone was still new and hungry. Um, they had given this guy who was an attorney who just came in and started doing free legal on the Stephen D.C. show. That's how he got noticed. Mm -hmm. He just happened to be extraordinarily smart, almost too smart for his own good, Dave. <laughs> um, he was just you know, a brilliant and then just had a very uh, quick, quick wit and a great sense of humor. And it just translated into radio. Yeah. And so we were kind of learning as we go. And when I came into the mix, it was just kind of one of those serendipitous, cool magic times where you throw, take this chick, because it was at that point, they had a girl, Jen, Jen Sparks, who was with them, and she departed. Well, they knew they wanted to fill in with a female, but who? So it was the audition chair, right? Yeah. Like all these people were, you know, filtering through. Well, I finally got to sit in the audition chair and it was kind of like that 
that spark automatically. It's the kind of chemistry you just can't make up. You're just lucky enough that it happens. And to this day, Glover will tell you the golden era of the Glover show was when it was just he, Tom, and I, and we were just finding our way yeah. and just doing whatever we could to just make people feel good. When chemi- chemistry is one of those things in our business. Yeah, big and, time. Just, and it's it's you can't quantify it. There's no metric that's going to guide us to where it is. But it's just one of those things. You know it when you're sitting down with somebody, whether it's it's there or it's not. Yeah, and you and know the, you're kind of fucked if it's not there. But if it's there, you've got something and you want to hold on. Even to. bigger, the listeners dial into yeah. it, man. You know, we've become so much more of a consumer savvy you know, world, I think it doesn't make us smarter as a, as a human race, I don't think, but it does make us more savvy. And we really smell through the bullshit now, you know, our, those meters are pretty tuned in. So people get it, you know, and I think that organically people were just, they just clung to this show because it really was a perfect escapism. And Dave's brilliant and brilliant humor, you know, and, and just that the fact that the three of us played into that was just so incredibly cool. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the absolute best when you have that going. Um, I'm curious what we talked about at the very beginning, the 1380, the woman thing, how did that all actually come in? How did that, how did that happen? Cause I wouldn't, you know, I mean, God, I'll tell you. And <laughs> I, I, Cause I don't sounds, know your experience. No, and I'll t- I, I, I will tell you too. So, um, I loosely knew Dan Marshall uh-huh. and um, Smash was doing the programming Who is at that one time. one of the finest people. Oh, like, is he just. Ever. I mean, he's like superhuman. I mean, quit it. Yeah. He's just the real deal and one of the most kind souls yes, on this planet. Absolutely. So I know I'm doing, I'm, I'm emceeing a big benefit with him this weekend. I'm, I'm totally stoked about that. But anyway, um, so Smash had got this idea that we should have a couple of gals on the morning show on 1380. Duh, it's the woman. So let's, let's try to get these some interesting personalities. Well, there's a woman in town, Terry Siegel. She was in radio quite a bit back in the KADI uh, days and things like that. And we were talking old school, like literally early mid eighties, just creeping into the nineties, but it was mostly situated in the eighties. And she was uh, a talent on there for, for several years. And she's a freaking hoot, dude. I mean, <laughs> this chick is radio gold. I'm like, Terry, I love you for all the wrong reasons. You're so twisted and so wrong. But Dude, she makes for exceptional radio because she's just unfiltered. So Smash had this idea to put us together and we were only on for about three and a half months because as you well know, when shit unraveled, it unraveled quick. You know, it was just kind of a hot mess from from, from the beginning to end, yes. but it was a great concept, but everybody's like, no one's ever been able to make this work. Well, we sure found out why, you know, kind of a thing. But anyway, in that time that Terry and I had together, dude, I keep saying, I, and I don't know if it's the station that I curr- currently reside on or what, but there is some way we're going to get the Cruz and Siegel thing back together because, dude, it's just, you know, it needs to be heard. It needs to be heard. But, you so what know. What's going on on the show? Now, Iggy... Who yeah. is one of our producers now? Was ours. Was your producer yes. at the time? Yes. Now Iggy makes it sound like he didn't hit it off. He of course loves you, <laughs> but he didn't necessarily hit it off with Terry. Is, is my understanding. Now we're on the air at the same time in right. the Jason studio, so I don't know what's going on. <laughs> what was going on? Iggy was not a fan of Terry. Now look, here's the, here's the deal. Iggy may or may not have had plenty of reason to not be. Here's the deal. Terry is very set in her ways. And even though I found ways to get along great with her, I can see where she would be a challenge from time to time for a producer because she's a stickler and she just, you know, I don't know. You know, again, it's the chemistry and the personalities. Sometimes you can walk in with a person that's sometimes got a demanding or a very forceful personality and you, you, you get a shuck and jive with it. But, you know, it just, it just didn't work between them. Mm -hmm. And was that awkward for you? It was. It's always awkward for everyone, you know, because you're in the mix and I don't want Iggy to feel bad and I don't want her to feel bad, but it's between them. There's right. nothing I can do about right. it. I can't, you're getting along with both. You know, I'm like bippity boppity, get along. <laughs> you know, I wish I had the magic Cinderella wand that did that. I didn't, but you know, everybody made their way. Was it stressful in those, in that regard? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. Was it really anybody's fault? No, yeah, yeah. it really wasn't. Yeah. Well, so as Iggy tells it, Terry was very candid with her off-air experiences. Dear God, 
<laughs> Let me tell you, this she does not care what she says. You know, she had that, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> that switch went off a long time ago. Oh, is that right? You know, I think maybe she's always had it. But, uh, yeah, and that's what makes her radio gold. Yeah, long, man, you know, that's the best. She knows enough. Like, she, she's, she's smart enough to know what you can and can't say on terrestrial radio, right? But, dude, if she had a podcast, it would be unchained. <laughs> we should bring her in. I'd be curious. Now God, I got to hear what's damn, going on. Take this bitch to number one, like in a on a rocket ship. So you've seen it, I would imagine. I mean, you're talking about 30 years. It's an obvious question, but I'm truly curious because I mean, I can sit here. I started in 2002. I was doing television at KMOV and also doing radio, and like I see it, and I wouldn't even recognize TV now. Yeah, uh, much less how radio has changed. I mean, so many people are like, "Why don't you just ditch radio and go straight to digital or only podcasts?" I don't know if the market from an advertising revenue standpoint is ready for that. Not yet. Not, it's not. yet. I feel like it might be within not the next yet. five years. Yeah. It's a thing. I mean, it, you know, yeah. it's up and coming and it works and people are getting more and more dialed into, I like this podcast yeah. stuff, you know? It, to me, it's like Netflix. It's like, I can listen to what I want when I want. And that's what I do. I really don't like, if I'll go next door and I'm working out, I'm going to listen to a podcast. And I just don't listen to live radio very often anymore. And it's unabashed, right? Yeah. Like you said, you know, it's like, I still have the radio sensors on you. Know, I still try to watch my mouth because I have a, I have a hooker pirate <laughs> mouth. I mean, it's not good. I'm not proud of it. Not <laughs> I around, think it's wonderful. Not Katie. around my kiddos. I don't, you know, like I literally keep myself in check but you know i was in the world of internet radio when you could say what you want and it was just a freaky space and it was a fun space to be into but yeah you know because it is now that we've become a society of convenience and that we can get the content we want when it's good for us right. you know right. then it is i think podcast is a very exciting place yeah. to be these days this is the first one i've ever done oh is that right the first I one love them. i'm like i'm going to do a podcast <laughs> i am freaking out man i love them because i can't like if i were like on our show now it's different than if we were on like a formatted corporate station where yeah like, right 12 minutes for the meters all right break hit 12 the, minutes hit the hard break at exactly. the top of the hour I mean, you could God, never do this but i me. love this yeah i know fuck that but i love this and I'm just legitimately curious about it. Like, I mean, I'm curious about what you experience. I'm curious about whoever's sitting down. I'm just like, what was it like? Okay. So you dealt with that. What was that shit like? Yeah. So when you look at 2019 versus when you were in Warrington or when you yeah. walked in the door at KC, what to you goes, man, that has absolutely changed the most well, and makes me go, ah, I wish it were better. Yeah. Like, in, in a nutshell, I'll tell you, it was, it was in the eighties when big business looked at this thing called FM radio and went, you know what? I think we can make money at this. And then they made a run at it and then they made huge money. Mm. And then everything got overblow, you know, got bloated as it does. It just got so large and so overdone. And it's like anything else when you, throw the corporate element in it, they bring so much good because the one thing that the big corporations brought to radio that they never had before was big money. So they threw big money at it and all of a sudden everybody had better accommodations yeah, the and better equipment and better towers and better ways to broadcast and that was and better salaries. You know, God, you know, all of a sudden you could make a living at this mm -hmm. thing you wanted to do. Brilliant. And that's the upside. The downside is as the money continued to come in. So in the 80s, they find out they can monetize this, right? Now you're in the mid 90s. And now not only are they monetizing it, they are fat. PH mm -hmm. with cash. Yeah. The bank accounts are loaded. And then all of a sudden they're building the corporate and, you know, not only are the studios getting bigger and better, but man, the overhead becomes crazy because there's money to spare. There's just so much money. Well, then what you don't prepare for is what if the money's not there? But let's go back to yeah. the money's there. So so everyone's in hot cotton, as they say in Texas. So is this the 90s you're talking this about? Is this the is the 90s. Best, yeah. yeah, this is the 90s. And um, so, but what happens with that is when you've got a little bit, it's just human nature. When you've got a little bit, what do you want? More. It's the whole give an inch, take a mile thing. So it got cluttered with commercials. You know what I mean? Like they started to really commercialize radio 
heavily commercialized radio because then all of a sudden you're, you're, you've painted yourself into that proverbial corner you will never get out of. You've got so much overhead. Yeah. You've got to start getting so much advertising. So it started to get real heavily cluttered with that. The one big bitch that everyone has about corporate terrestrial radio, all the commercials, right? So that said, it's the nature of the beast. Um, but then analysis paralysis, to use a Glover term, they started doing, they started losing their gut, all the gut instincts of what made FM radio, especially FM rock radio great, went out the door. It was no longer what the jocks on the air felt in their gut was good or how program directors went, you know what, I just have a feeling. No one had feeling or gut anymore. It was research teams from seven states away that had no yeah, idea no, what the shit yeah. you were doing in your city or the uniqueness of your audience that just went, our market research shows that these seven ACDC songs are <laughs> loved and you need to play just them all the time. And that was the stab in the heart to me. And when did you start noticing this? Like right around when year wise? Late 90s. Oh, really? Oh, so that early. Okay. Yeah. Late 90s. The, uh, the, is when they started, when corporate radio started trotting in the outsides, the what outsiders the the, yeah. to tell you yeah. what your city needed to hear or, or, you know, what you were going to do. And then programming became jurisdicted solely by research groups. And again, there's something to that. You got to turn the music over to the people. And if that's what they had truly done, that would be magic and beautiful. But you're a very, it's a very flawed situation when you set a whole room full of people down and you play them over the course of a weekend, you play them 600 hooks of a song and you ask them to rate them. Yeah. Of course, if somebody hears Leonard Skinner, give me three steps and they're a classic rocker, they're going to be like, oh, I love right. that song. Right. You know what I mean? Of course they do, but it doesn't mean they want to hear it every single day for the next 17 years of their life. So they had it, in my opinion, they had it really wrong. So we program now at my station, I keep going back to that, but we program through gut. We program through instinct and Radio Rich is one of my favorite people one on the, the planet. Greatest too. voices ever. Oh my God. <laughs> Radio Rich, you know, talk about hippy dippy trivia. I love Rich, but like to him, like literally music has colors and textures, right? Like, I mean, it's not just music. It's like they have, they have colors and feelings and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, Rich, you're cracking my ass up. <laughs> but, but it's the whole sense of, and you know, he works with us and we just, that's how we do it is kind of going back to what, what really started all this and, and what made it great. And let's try to go back as much as in the world we live in today, as much as we can and try to anti-corporate out this thing because yeah, it's just that, that was, if that makes, does that make sense? Oh that yeah, that in a, the, in a huge that was, way. That was the migration of how things, and that's, that's what also, um, saddened listeners as well. You know, they they know the world of corporate radio and you ask any rock fan, they're not a fan. They still, their hearts and their souls are with Casey because it's what they know. It's what they grew up with. And Casey still does a fantastic job. But deep down, when you have that little sidebar conversation with them, that's what they'll tell you. Yeah. Gosh, it's really so much more than that. The thing that I wonder Specifically for music stations, and and your you know do, what 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 is your time slot on? And it's one one oh one point seven. Yeah. So six to six. Oh, so you're on from six to noon. Yeah. Oh, I have a long shift. Yeah, and yet here you are, and we're talking at eleven fifteen. It's you, the magic of radio. Out, yeah, little, little it's voice the magic tracking, of radio. Voice tracking. What are the other issues? Of, what are the other issues it? of new radio? And that's and voice tracking. Yeah. Be, it was is still an issue, not as much as it has it was in the past. But yeah, I mean, you know, that is what it is, right? So I, I wonder because I'm thinking like if I'm 25, for example, and I want to listen to music. I don't know how many 25 year olds are going, I want to, I'm going to tune on the FM band or whatever, you know, in our case, I mean, all we've been is AM radio, all of our shows yeah. in history. I mean, how many 25 year olds are even going to the AM band? Hey, I hope you're enjoying this conversation with Katie Cruz. James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency has been with us since the very beginning. We're talking now 25 months and we're grateful to him for his support of the podcast. But the thing that I would point out to you is the following. James Carlton is my insurance agent. And he wasn't my insurance agent when we started the podcast. And then I got to know him and I thought to myself, why isn't he my insurance agent? 
I'm asking you this. Why isn't he your insurance agent? Why did I switch to James Carlton? You might be wondering. And I got to tell you something. It was a bit of an awkward conversation when I parted ways with my previous guy to go to James Carlton. But I thought to myself, I've gotten to know James. He handled something for us on the fly. Uh, and I said to my wife, we were making some switches with a variety of different things. And I said, my responsibility isn't to like avoid awkward conversations and parting ways with people. My responsibility is to you and to our son. And James is going to give us the best, the best customer service, the best rates. And we made the switch. And then three months later, our basement flooded and we had all hell break loose. And James Carlton, the State Farm Insurance Agency, was all over it and taking care of it. I mean, the night that the basement flooded, he's like, okay, I'm landing at Lambert here in about 30 minutes, but I'll come over and I'll bring some buckets. And I'm like, oh my God, man, I'm just asking about how this whole thing works. I'm not asking for you to come over here with buckets. But that's the kind of person, that's why his business, he's a young guy. That's why his business is is growing and he's gotten so many people from this show to make the switch. And they would tell you, look at the Google reviews, the Facebook reviews, they would tell you how good James Carlton and his staff are at their jobs. 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton, State Farm. So then if you're a music station and you've been in the position of managing, how how does it have a future when you have, whether it be somebody just listening on their iTunes or they're going to Pandora or Spotify? God, I wonder Tim, about it's, the, it's the magic question, yeah. it is. I mean, All I can tell you is... They've been trying to bury terrestrial radio since the onset of Pandora or the onset of Sirius XM. Yeah. You know, first of all, we had Sirius XM came, or it was just, it was, it was XM radio, you know, before Sirius got mm-hmm. in the mix. And, and that was going to be the death of terrestrial radio. Why? Because it's a free form content to a big degree. Get, right. make, that's they they are programmed just like corporate radio. Make no mistake oh, about yeah, it. Hell Sirius yeah. XM might sometimes some of their channels even follow a more stringent playlist than a regular station would. Um, a much more condensed. But you know you don't have the commercial loads, so pay ten bucks a month. And it did catch on. It caught on a big way. But to this day. Satellite radio's not been able to monetize anything because can you imagine the nut it takes to keep a satellite spinning or multi-satellite spinning in the universe? Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. You want to talk about overhead, yeah, dude. Overhead there. I don't care how many Howard Stearns you've got. You know, you're not. It's a lot to monetize this. So they hold their own. They do great. But that was the first death of radio. Then Pandora came in. Well, then they broke out the shovels again, start digging the grave. It's over. But... As we stand right now, radio as we know it is completely safe and secure. People want their hometown radio. They want their hometown voices. They want their hometown information. We are wired as people that we still need connection. And through that connection, it's communication. And that's in the jocks that we love, the information that we want and where we get it. So for right now, we're all safe. But you're right. What does this actually translate? What does it mean for the millennial generation and up? I don't think anybody's got an answer for yeah. that. I don't know. You know, my kids, my kids are 13 and 17. My so what se- do they do? What my 17 year old gathers all of his source stuff from the Internet. Prime example of this, too. So we uh, when we're listening to new music for our radio station, so we do play in the world of new music a lot. Don't these days, but we do. There's a fantastic one right out out right now. Post Malone. And in a brilliant strategy on his part and Ozzy Osbourne's part, they put this freaking balls out badass song, brand new. It's Ozzy Osbourne and Post Malone. I'm obsessed by Uh this song. So I've got it in my car and I'm like, so I grab my 17 year old. I'm like, I need to get your vibe on this because I know Post Malone plays completely into his world. Mm -hmm. Ozzy plays completely into mine. Don't get, don't make no mistake about it. I like Post. I think he's very, very talented, yeah. like a lot of the shit he's done. Um, so I, I, I play the first four seconds. He goes, oh, why do you post Malone in your car, mom? <laughs> now, I just got this song. He's been listening to it for a week. Oh, he'd already been listening. Yeah. How familiar with Ozzy Osbourne he's a, is your son? Very. Really? Yeah. He's dialed into stuff, maybe by virtue of his mama. Yeah, I don't I know. Really but those kids are tapped into everything because it's at their fingertips. They don't have to even wait for radio stations to break a song. Mm-hmm. We are, if anything, we're behind them. Yeah, game. it's chicken and egg, except now they're, yeah. they're the ones that are leading it. So what does that mean? You know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Do I think in my gut, 
that terrestrial radio, what we do, has another five to seven years of absolute viability? Yes, there's no doubt. Because even if you're, let's say you're a 40-year-old, and that's probably right in the pocket of your fan base Mm -hmm. here, you know, the 40-year-old. They grew up, they still grew up with that and they're not going to break. They're not going to all of a sudden be the person that, that changes their world. And all I do is Spotify. That's not that person, but the 30 year old. Yeah, probably. So Mm -hmm. they grew up in a whole different world than we did. So, yeah, yeah. I I really, I truly wonder about like, I, I, I think from like a business model standpoint, if you're selling music radio right now, what is what is the pitch? Because, oh, it's a good sell because, yeah. like you said, you know, like I would think you, the sh- like you are a sell. I don't know how the music is a sell. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get exactly where you're going with yeah. that. Um, I think the beauty of the reason that it's we are going to be able to sell our station pretty well is because we're different. Yeah, there's something yeah. different, dude. I and I told the owners if you're going to put a brand new radio station on in this world. You better make it. You it better be something that they can't get anywhere else. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you just put on the same old shit, you know who cares? Goosey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one. They've already got their favorites and their go-tos. You better be so fucking out of the box that you give people a reason to dial in. So luckily, the entity that I work for now adopted that strategy and went, yeah, there's as a matter of fact, there's no one in the nation with our programming. No one. We are really? a one-off. We created this, and we're the only ones doing it. Mm. So you talk about content you can't get anywhere. That's why, luckily, our small base of listeners growing every day, I guess, from what I hear, they're going bananas over this. Not because we're the best at what we do. No one's, yeah, come on. Yeah. But we are the un- most unique in what we do. So, so what are you doing that's different right now than, say, take your pick of whatever other station? We took... All the rock that we love, the people internally from every genre. The gut genre. instinct you were speaking. Yeah, of we lost. took everything that we loved from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, and whatever's out there now. And we took this uh, format called Americana. Now, people who know about Americana are crazy for this stuff. Americana is a hybrid of rock, country, and bluegrass. Hmm. Kind of, they put that all yeah. on their own little musical stew and they come up with this stuff. But dial it back. If we had this word Americana back in the day, John Fogarty would have been the king of it, right? Southern rock would have been bred under the Americana banner. And it's real cachet now. So even every country artist on the planet is trying to shove themselves into this Americana yeah. thing. Because, oh, they'll play us if we're Americana. <laughs> anyway, so we take all of this stuff that... When you look at it on paper, this cross-pollinization of all of this, just in the rock world itself, man, it doesn't look like it works. You add the new stuff, it really doesn't look like it works. And you throw this Americana in, what the hell are they thinking? But if you craft it, as we do, song by song, freaking man, it's out of the park. It's just so, it's just so different. Yeah. So how much of your hour is you talking and how much of your hour is music? I'm always curious about that. Depends on... Depends on the day. Depends on the day. Yeah. Depends on my mood. It well, really how great does. is that, though? Yeah, because seriously. you know if you were in a corporate situation, it'd be like, there's so much time you have to talk. Sister, it really that's does. It. Yeah. it just depends on if I've got something that pissed me off or made me happy or, you know, no one, you know, everyone's got opinions. I share mine a lot. Um, so, yeah, I mean, really, there's no answer to that, Tim. It really is. I mean, sometimes I try to not still, look, even if people think you're the bee's knees. No one wants to hear your shit for more than a couple minutes. You know what I mean? Get back to the music. God. So I still try to be cognizant of the fact that you don't need to bloviate on something. But if it's a particular subject or a story that I want to cover a little bit more in depth, I'll talk for four minutes. It's rare. I try to keep it between hit them with the headlines because we're a headline society anyway, right? That's all we do. We're a Twitter society. Just give them the 140 characters and get the fuck out, yeah. <laughs> you know, or you better make it relevant and then give them three minutes. But again, it just depends on, you know, it just depends on what I'm feeling. I think you bring Iggy and Terry Siegel in and you just let them go for four Dude. hours of a debate. That's what I, I'll, I'll be locked in. For Dude. That. <laughs> 
Award winning. <laughs> Katie, I've enjoyed the hell out of this, man. Oh, Tim, thank you, know you so much. You know your shit. Like, well, I'm, I, don't, I, I feel like I'm like, I've got knowledge now. I don't know about that, but I, when you know, when you get old, honey, you're so young. When you get old, I'm 43. I don't as feel long like I'm as so you young. can retain things, it's probably a, you know, it's like my dad said, man. Anything's an antique if you let it sit around long enough. You know, all you got to do is absorb the information and sit around long enough, and you know shit. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just been, uh, and I think you're right on target too with so much of it. You know, I mean, that's thank the you. thing. It's, it's, it really is something else. It's, it's awesome. good to talk the business. All right, thank you so much for coming in, Katie. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Pete. So there it is, Katie Cruz, our guest, presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth. Strategies from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Thank you to our sponsors, Design Air Heating and Cooling, online at DesignAirService.com, the number one trained dealer in the West. Johnny Londoff Chevrolet, Londoff.com. And they are Chevy, Chevy Find New Roads. And of course, Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies at EvergreenSTL.com. And Ryan Kelly, the Home Loan Expert, online at the HomeLoanExpert.com. And James Carlton, Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. So the conversation with Katie, it wasn't the direction that I thought it was going to go, and then it wound up being way better than I had anticipated because we started kind of like vibing on the industry and where it was and where it's going. And on top of it, she's just really super likable, so you can understand why she's had so much success and has uh, been in a business that's tough to have sustained presence in for what, going back to the early 90s? Uh, that's impressive. And also, I can't imagine, you know, it's one thing, you know, we kind of joke about and then sometimes we're serious about the um, the stuff you get now. It's social media um, used to be email hate, I guess, back in the day might have been phone call hate. Um, but, you know, when we're talking on TMA, we're talking from the perspective of being guys. I can't imagine. I mean, you heard Lux, perhaps if you haven't go back and listen to it. You heard Learn, perhaps if you haven't go back and listen to it. And Katie and and the comments they get and the creepiness they get, that's to a different level. That's, that's, that's not anything I can, can even begin to relate to. So uh, a great deal of respect for her. And also, you know, it was the first time we really were able to have a long conversation. And uh, I truly enjoyed that. So tip of the cap to Iggy and Gangster Pete for booking her on the program. Subscribe to this podcast these things are uh, going to be downloaded to your phone, so you can listen to them whenever you want. I have a lot of people, especially as you do traveling around the holidays, maybe in the car for a while, and the way to uh, to navigate that is to listen to a bunch of these at once. That's how I know I did it when I went to Notre Dame with my family for a game in September, and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to listen to podcasts the whole time and have this six-hour drive, and it kind of went by quickly because I'm just engaged in and what I'm listening to, so subscribe to the podcast. The interviews come out every Sunday night, Monday morning, um, and then questions from the audience, and you're welcome to submit any question you want at teamacurnan at insidestl.com, and then our Pick 6 podcast. And I'd love to give you a glowing review of that, but it's an absolute clusterfuck right now. Maybe it'll get turned around. Candidly, I think everybody's on a death spiral. So the way to listen to the Pick 6 podcast is to write down the six picks from me, producer Joe, and G-Unit, and then bet the opposite on those 18 games, and then you have a profitable weekend. That is the way to handle pick six this year because everybody's below 500, and the weatherman is at, at 40% against the spread. But that's what you know you have here on the Tim McKernan Show. Gangster Pete and Iggy make it possible. Our sponsors deliver for us, and we're grateful, of course, to you, the loyal listeners of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you. 